And these strains were meant to be consumed on a daily basis because our ancestors were eating them off the soil. So it makes sense. And they're just, this is what's supporting our own body's detox system. Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, this podcast is for general educational purposes and is not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness and we recommend that you see a licensed health professional accordingly. This week, I am tackling the monster topic (laughs) of heavy metals in chocolate, and I have done so much research. So much. And I am joined by my fact checker, spouse, editor, producer, partner. Mostly just assistant. (laughs) Matt's here on the podcast, everybody. So um, I wanted to have Matt join because it was interesting to me as you were fact-checking and reading more about the research that um, because you are, you know, a person who is not easily influenced by non-toxic things, right? You're not easily convinced. You need real science and... Um, even then, it's kind of like, mm, I don't know if I... Now, let's weigh this actual in, like, real terms of what, <laughs> what that risk is. Yeah. So, when I said that I was looking into the Consumer Report findings that significant portions of dark chocolate had high levels, what they called dangerously toxic levels of heavy metals to Matt. He looked at me like, please tell me that you're going to like do real science to figure out if this is in fact true or not. And of course I did. I think I have 19 scientific references. Hold on, I'll pull it up. I know there were thousands of words, over 3,000 words and 18 scientific references. Mm -hmm. That's not even counting all of the places that I actually researched, read articles, and all those things. Those are just the references that I referred to and included in my article. But as we were going through and talking about it in the house, figuring out Mm -hmm. the best way to share this information, because I recognize that a 3,000-word article with 18 scientific references is not something most people want to do, we thought it'd be a good idea just to kind of talk through it with everybody here. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to share that we have an interview with Just Thrive's founder, who can talk about the mechanisms of why probiotics can help prevent heavy metal toxicity, which is something I was really surprised to find in the science, but also super excited about. So I was thrilled that she was able to join and help point to um, those mechanisms of why. Mitigating factors if you're really still concerned about the, the, the heavy metals. Exactly. Okay, so let's walk through it. The Consumer Report said specifically that lead in cadmium, uh, which are heavy metals, could be in your dark chocolate. Now, they specifically, I'm going to quote them, um, found dangerous heavy metals 
in chocolate from Hershey's, Theo, Trader Joe's, and other popular brands. Um, I start by saying I'm a little irritated by this report. So I want to give a little more context. Well, the wording is weird to begin with. Yes. It says that they found the heavy metals. Right. Dangerous. It doesn't say that there are... It says they are dangerous heavy metals. It yes. doesn't say that they are dangerous levels yes. exactly. at all. Exactly. And that was very intentional on their part. I do think that overall the article was very clickbaity. Like, first of all, it's not new news, right? Like, there mm-hmm. were lawsuits about this years ago. And other places that used more in-depth research that I was able to use in quote from those lawsuits years ago. Mm -hmm. So it felt almost like Consumer Reports was like, hey guys, our numbers are down. What can we do? How can we scare people the most? Right, how can we get people on our site? And it worked. Everybody was linking to that article. Where did this all start? Well, while we've known about contamination of confectionaries since 1820 and lawsuits about dark chocolate having heavy metals for years, Consumer Reports published recent findings in December 2022, and I quote, found dangerous heavy metals in chocolate from Hershey's, Theo's, Trader Joe's, and other popular brands. Now, Matt and I have talked about this is, this Mm -hmm. feels clickbaity to us. Feels very clickbaity. Because they don't talk about the quantity or the relative risk. They say dangerous heavy metals in chocolate. Mm -hmm. And there are dangerous heavy metals in everything. In everything. An apple has arsenic. The soil in your yard is going to have the same amount of heavy metals as, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the same heavy metals as found in chocolate. And that's part of why, for example, they found cadmium in Mm -hmm. chocolate because it's in the soil where it's being grown. And the levels of cadmium were so relatively low compared to the amount as regulated by the FDA that I ended up focusing my research on lead because even then it was like 17x, which was a much smaller scale than the cadmium was. And so it was like, okay, well, cadmium is not even on my radar as being a concern. If we're going to be concerned about something, let's look at lead. And the interesting thing about lead was how the lead gets into the chocolate because Mm -hmm. it's different than cadmium. It's not from the soil itself. Do you remember what you asked me when you were like first going through and reading the post? Because you you were curious about that and it sparked a whole conversation between us. Well, I, I said, I said, if this is a contamination, like who is introducing it? Where is it coming from? Because it's like they can't, it doesn't appear out of nowhere. There's some point in that process that it's being introduced. Yeah. What was interesting to me is that a lot of chocolate is grown in countries that also produce oil. Mm -hmm. And so as I was going through and looking at the levels in chocolate, another thing that you said to me was how fascinating it is that certain brands will have, you know, low um, lead in one bar, but then higher lead in another bar. And you were like, what's up with that? I'm like, that's because one's in Peru, one's in Africa or, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever it might be. And so... What is supposed, right? Like we can't know for sure, but based on the different research that they've done, they can see that even when the cocoa is taken right out of the bean, that there is not a concerning level of lead at all. And that when it sits and sun dries, they're seeing a spike. 
-hmm. So it's picking up particles. It's susceptible to absorption. So it's picking up particles from in the, the air, air from the oil refineries or from the soil that's on the ground where it was in a pod and protected from that before when it was being grown. Once it's removed, it's susceptible to absorption. It's also being like freight carried all over the world, which mm -hmm. also has fossil fuels with lead and different kinds of things um, that are added to it. And it's interesting for me, I'm thinking of like, oh, leaded gasoline is actually leaded gasoline. <laughs> like well, that, that lead specifically, is broad. More specifically, it's unleaded gasoline because they took the lead out of the gasoline. Yeah. But what I'm saying, like, but there's leaded gasoline mm -hmm. and then there's unleaded gasoline, yeah. right? And so when it is coming out of the earth and it's being refined and all those things, it's, it's particles in the air. So if chocolate yeah. is being made in areas where gas is being refined, you're going to have those particles mm -hmm. in the air. And who knows what else they're in, right? Yeah. Like, and that's kind of where my research took me, which is, you know, I don't like to jump to the alarmist attitude. And so one of the things that, you know, I wanted to look at was what is the relative risk that we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Not just for adults, but also for children who might be consuming chocolate because their bodies are small and growing and more susceptible to, you know, a, a lower ratio of heavy metals. Right. I liked about Consumer Reports that they tested multiple samples in multiple lots of all the chocolate. So they're, um, both of the places that I looked at for numbers had done that. They looked at multiple um, samples. And I liked that um, uh, the other resource that I'm going to talk about later published both findings. And it was interesting. It was often off by like 0.1 or 0.2, mm -hmm. um, which would make sense if it was, you know, a plant-based thing. It's never going to be exact right. the way that, you know, a science you know, fake thing you made in the lab could be exactly. Like, the the plant's the not measuring anything. Yes, exactly. Another thing that was good is that they were masked, blind coded, you know, everything was done to preserve the identities of the samples so that there wasn't room for bias. All of these things are what you would hope to see mm -hmm. in a scientific study. Where it wasn't as good in my opinion and where I'm having a real hard time caring much about the level of lead in my chocolate because once I dove into this, it became really obvious to me where it's not as good in my opinion is that they used California's maximum allowable dose level. So MADL for lead, which is 0.5 micrograms. Now I talked about how the cadmium one is, the ratio is even more extreme than the lead. And so I'm not even going to go into that. I'm going to talk specifically about lead in chocolate because from the scientific research cadmium is like not even on this radar in terms of how much difference um greater the chasm is in terms of the allowable amount and so when we look at the fda limits that are what they define based on actual risk of overall consumption um risk of harm at that sort of level. These are the allowable limits that they've set for individual items is 17x what Consumer Reports used of the California MADL. 
Now, yes, I love that California has Prop 65 to warn consumers about products that might be dangerous. I'm all in on that. Mm-hmm. What I love about that is that it's empowering consumers to look at everything that they're consuming, everything that they're buying, and evaluate their overall level of risk. You can go to Prop 65's website. You can read about what all the exact labels actually mean. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, it was very clear that consumer reports was intentionally utilizing a lower threshold to make it look like the risk of heavy metal poisoning was higher. I I don't know if that was intentional on their part or if they genuinely are just trying to make sure people are aware. But because we already knew about this since the 1820s and then again from the lawsuit a few years ago, it was kind of like, why did we feel the need to bring this up again? So, and I would say, you know, we've been talking about leaded gas and everything like this. There's less lead around uh, yes. now than there was in the 70s. So this is another thing that gave me a lot of comfort from the FDA standards is that since 1980, looking at 2016, so not even within this decade, still last decade, the FDA has decreased lead levels from children's exposure 97%. So I mentioned earlier, like one of the things that we're concerned about is children's exposure to lead. They've, they have been doing a good job mm-hmm. at the level that they have bringing down that level. FDA doesn't have access to everything. I've talked on this podcast many times about how, you know, they can't recall um, bad personal care and all these different kinds of things. They don't have an arm over the supplement industry. There's a lot of different things that they don't have access to. But the great news is that between FDA and EPA, they do have control over heavy metals and the lead that is allowable. And we have seen through long-term research that the levels that they're using are bringing chemical hazards into a safer range, Mm -hmm. you know, a much safer range. So knowing that that was the case and knowing that Consumer Reports had used the Prop 65 standards. Um, I then looked at, okay, if these bars of chocolate that they evaluated were consumed um, based on the FDA standards, what would be the result? None. Not a single one of the chocolates would have exceeded FDA standards. None. None. That's not, not not even their the lower children's standard too. That's not a clickable article. Yeah. That's that's not something that would heavy have... metals. <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> that's not something that's gonna engage people, right? Like, um, it sounds much more scary to say dangerous heavy metals in your chocolate. Yes, and let's all be informed. Now, does that mean that I want you to go out and eat twenty bars a day of some of these bars that have, you know, higher measurements than others? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, as a consumer of all the things that are in our lives and our world, this is not one that I am losing sleep over. Right. So understanding that we're looking at relatively low risk, let's evaluate, even if we're trying to protect ourselves and make as smart choices as possible, what more can we do? I want you to remember that this is for you to be empowered and for you not to be worried or paranoid or scared that your child might eat a piece of dark chocolate. That is 
the opposite of what we're trying to do here. They'll prefer milk chocolate anyway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, well, and milk chocolate is like nowhere near a concern. Exactly. Because it's even less, you know. Chocolate. Yes. So um, for your consideration, the things that are of greater risk are things that have a higher ratio of cacao. So mm-hmm. cacao powder is obviously going to have a higher ratio because it is pure cacao. Something like a 90% or higher chocolate bar is by its very nature going to have a higher percentage. Now I have eaten like the Alter Ego Super Blackout Dark Chocolate Bar. You sure have. Matt Matt thinks that I'm insane for eating it. it I mean, it tastes like chalk. <laughs> I cannot eat a whole bar of that. Like, uh, you know, that exists for me to have the flavor of something that I want. Or, you know, if I'm super craving something super chocolatey, that, I don't know if it's the magnesium in it. I don't know what it is. My body wants one bite and you're good. I just want one or two squares and I'm good. And so from my perspective, yes, yes, the percentage of more cocoa is oftentimes where you're going to see more of a heavy metal load and... One would hope that the consumption is lower, right? Right. You're putting cocoa powder in an overall cake. The quantity of how much you're eating is not that intense. Exactly. So um, that said, um, we talked about how it gets into the beans itself. Let's talk about the actual chocolate or um, the actual cocoa powder. One of the things I'm most excited to tell you about. So there's five things I'm going to go over. One of the things that I'm most excited about is to talk about the protective nutrients that are already in cacao. This is where a whole food, a synergistic protective mechanism already exists within the food that you're consuming to protect you against other things within that food. We see this in the biological world all the time. I think we originally introduced this idea on the podcast when we talked about selenium in fish to protect against mercury. Um, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I'll put a reference in the show notes for you to that show. Uh, But in this case, even the FDA on their website itself where they're talking about um, the potential dangers of heavy metals, they say that the agency considers the health effects of the whole food, which includes potential harmful health effects of specific contaminants that may be present, as well as the food's nutrients. And the reason that they're doing this is because there is science to support that dark chocolate specifically, um, or many other food sources are going to have protective mechanisms built in to protect against something like lead in the food. And in this case, magnesium can remove a variety of toxins and heavy metals from your body. I provide links in the show notes. I told you there's 19 scientific references. If you want to go check it out, there's all the information there for you to do that. Um, it can actually remove lead, aluminum, and mercury. And this study that I found was dated all the way back to 1979. We've known about this for a long time. With magnesium, it will actually wash lead out through the urinary excretion. So you will be gone with it through, (laughs) you know, drinking water, taking magnesium. And we can see that it actually removes it from the bone. So they were able to see in the study that when they gave um, the magnesium, it increased the 
lead in the body for a short amount of time. And then as it was excreted, it dropped it way down. So what that told them is that not only was it removing things from blood flow, it was actually going into the bone stores where Mm -hmm. you can, you know, have heavy metals store in multiple places, but in this case in the bone, and it took it out and got rid of it. The magic of that is amazing because if you're eating chocolate, which is one of the highest sources of magnesium, it's it's detoxing what you're going to eat. You know, you say it's magic, and it, and it is magic, but it also makes sense because cocoa is a living thing too, fish are living things too, and so they don't want to have high levels of lead or mercury in their bodies either, and so... There is a system in their bodies that is going to help with their exposure, just as there would be in ours if we were uh, frequently exposed to something. Yeah, I'm, I I agree with you on the fish front. I don't know if that's necessarily the case with cacao because it is protected and not having lead when it like comes from the plant. But maybe the plant knows that it's susceptible to absorption and that magnesium is a natural detoxifier. And so that's why... Over time, those are the plants that have flourished and thrived. Right. You know, there's a lot of different reasons or, you know, hypotheses that we can give. But the facts are magnesium is high in chocolate. and Magnesium is a natural detoxifier of heavy metals. So it has this built-in protective mechanism. I mean, it's very cool. I, I'm all about it. You know, we're geeking out. Um, it, Matt was geeking out when he was reading through the article. Every time he got to like a new point, he's like, whoa, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> so I think that takes us to the next point, which is about bioavailability. And this might be because of the mercury. Um We don't know the exact reasons, but we do know from scientific research that only 10 to 50 percent of the heavy metals that are in chocolate specifically are bioavailable. So even if you're looking at the numbers in the charts of all of these chocolates, it's only 10 to 50 percent that your body might actually be absorbing. Mm -hmm. And that is where other things like additional detox protectors like probiotics come in. We're going to talk with Just Thrive a little bit later to talk about that. But I do also want to just acknowledge that, you know, when you're looking at numbers and you're thinking about risk factors, remind yourself that even if you're looking at something, it could just be 10% absorption. Um, It said bioavailability of lead was generally below 10% in the cocoa powders that they were looking at. I mean, mean, that makes sense because, you know, it's not going to stay in just a lead form. It's not going to be picked up. Mm. If it's bound in a different chemical, then it's going to probably stay with that chemical if it's stable. Mm. Who knows what the cause is, but I like the result. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the other thing that you know, is really special about dark chocolate is how good it is for you, right? Like this, this is the thing that kind of got everybody is that everybody has been told how good dark chocolate is for them. So they were eating dark chocolate. And then this article comes out that says dark chocolate has, you know, dangerous heavy metals. And they're like, wait a minute, I was eating that because it was supposed to be good for me. Well, yes. And right, like this is, (laughs) there's a little more to the story than just the high level byline or title that you're getting that leads you in. And in this case, chocolate is incredibly antioxidant rich and antioxidants are known to be 
helpful for the nourishment of your body to optimize processes to be non-carcinogenic, to counteract all of these sort of things. And you can, if you want to, incorporate additional antioxidant-rich foods into your diet and lifestyle if you enjoy dark chocolate. So I'm assuming that a lot of listeners, if they're enjoying dark chocolate, are already consuming things like berries, onions, garlics, grapes, tomatoes. All of these foods are rich in additional um, nutrients that help the antioxidant factor and specifically would counterbalance heavy metals. And there's a a whole flow chart of scientific nature um, in the article to show how these um, selections of recommended foods can prevent or help um, tissue damage from happening from oxidative stress and heavy metals. So we've gone through the five reasons that I'm not quitting dark chocolate, It's incredibly healthful. It has nutrients that are beneficial from powerful flavonoids and antioxidants that help detoxify your body naturally, including specifically magnesium, which is a very high source in chocolate and has been shown to be able to remove toxins from your body. The bioavailability of heavy metals in chocolate is very low, 10 to 50%. And best of all, all of these are under the FDA limits as it is. Uh, When we're looking at Prop 65, those again are simply warnings so that you can look at your overall exposure. It's not saying that you're actually at risk by consuming something just because it has that one label on it that enables you to kind of look at your cumulative risk factor because we know for a lot of the things that Prop 65 labels that those become more problematic the more load, the more toxic load you're carrying, your body is not able to kind of detox as efficiently, which is where something like probiotics comes in. And I was legitimately blown away and surprised that science has shown that lactic acid bacteria, probiotics, can bind to heavy metals And I quote from the study, heavy metal protection. So let's look at the details and the mechanisms of probiotics with the expert themselves. You know, I use and love Just Thrive. I've talked about it numerous times in the podcast. I had no idea the depth and level to which these probiotics are so very different Um, and I'm excited to dig into the science of how protective this can be from not just chocolate, but heavy metals and other stressors in your life in general, which Tina from Just Thrive is going to walk us through. This podcast is brought to you by Headspace, and I've got a 30-day free code for you. If you aren't familiar with Headspace, they help improve mental health through guided meditations, uplifting videos, mindfulness practices, breathing and calming exercises, and so much more. Scientifically backed, these tools can help reduce anxiety, boost your mood, and help you sleep better. And honestly, it's not cringy. You know how I feel about awkward meditation, but I love the customized, personalized approaches to help you. The wide range of teachers with diverse backgrounds and areas of expertise ensure there's a teacher and content to help 
you, whether you're a first timer or have been practicing for years. And when you only have a few minutes to get in the right headspace, see what I did there? Little pun. There are programs to do on the go when pressed for time. Headspace has the world's largest library of content with over a thousand hours of clinically proven mental health exercises. I personally love starting my day with Headspace. I'd gotten into a habit of picking up my phone first thing in the morning, then jumping into whatever I missed or needed to do. Email, messages, news. I didn't realize how much I was already feeling behind before my day began. And now it's been incredible how it changes my perspective on the day. Headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide, and they can help you too. Listen up, you do not want to miss this. I've arranged something special. For a limited time, all of you can try Headspace free for 30 days by going to headspace.com slash whole view. You won't find this offer anywhere else. You must use my link, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash whole view to unlock all the Headspace free for 30 days. This is not something they normally do. Headspace.com slash whole view. We're going to do something special today. I'm excited, actually, Tina, to talk to you because I have been using and loving Just Thrive Probiotics for years, and I don't even know that I fully understand how special they are. And I, in doing a bunch of research to talk to you, I got even more excited about it. So I know our listeners who get geeked for science are going to be jazzed to hear some of this information, but I wanted to specifically bring you on because some of the science that I found in looking at detoxing of heavy metals, specifically around chocolate, brought up that probiotics can be protective against heavy metal poisoning. And from a scientific perspective, that kind of blew my mind. So I want to hear more about how very special Just Thrive probiotics are so that I can have these mind-blowing moments around all the different areas of my life when they come up. We started to research and learn about the gut, how about gut, the gut and how important it is. And being, you know, I always say it was really being at the right place at the right time. We were able to license these really incredible spore-based probiotics from London University. And this was, we were disruptors in the market. Nobody had spore-based probiotics. Nobody had heard about spore-based probiotics. And we were complete disruptors in the market and just started, you know, researching and learning about why so many probiotics on the market had difficulty getting to the intestines alive and, you know, starting to learn some of the problems with many probiotics out there. And we dove in, we took our life savings and purchased the exclusive rights to these strains. And, you know, it's been the most gratifying career journey I've ever been on. And I've been on several in my lifetime. And it's just been, it's been amazing just to see how it helps people. Like you said, thank you for your kind words. It, they never get old to me. I mean, we've been here for about nine, 10 years and just having um, they, these testimonials and stories literally never get old. Can you remind listeners what the percentages of like regular probiotic that they might be taking from the grocery store or, you know, in yogurt, what that percentage is that actually makes it to the gut versus just thrive because you mentioned the spore base being different but i think it's important for people to understand how different that is 
Yeah. One of the first studies we did was actually a gastric survivability study. And so the researchers took the leading selling probiotics sold at a major health food store and they had 50 billion CFUs on the front. So colony forming units. And they basically found that 99.99% of those strains died before ever getting to the intestines. They took the spores that are found in Just Thrive and found that 100% of them arrived alive in the intestines. So it's really important to understand one of the most basic found, you know, the definition of a probiotic is to arrive alive in the intestines and to, de to deliver a benefit to the host. And so the majority of probiotics on the market are made up of these lactobacillus bifidobacterium strains and are dying before they're ever getting to the intestines. And so they don't even meet that first part of the definition of what a probiotic is. So the biggest thing is that our stomach acid is actually killing off many, the majority of probiotics that you're finding, the conventional probiotics that you find on the store shelf. So the spores, the big difference is their ability to get through the acid of the stomach. The stomach is meant to be the gastric barrier. But that's what's so unique about the spores is they are in a dormant state in the stomach. And it's not till they hit the intestines that they recognize it as its home. And it then they start to take this their endospore shell off. And that's when they go into their live vegetative cell state. So it's really critical that a probiotic is alive when it hits the intestines and that it stays there for about 21 to 28 days where it starts to do some, you know, really unique things to help create a better environment in our intestines. So other than bringing up the vision, I don't know if you watched like the new Cordyceps zombie show, but other than having visions <laughs> of like spore-based things in my body from a zombie perspective, <laughs> what does spore-forming probiotic and antioxidant mean? Because I've used soil-based, so you're saying spore-forming. What exactly are we talking about? Yeah, you know what? It, it, the distinction is a, it, there is a little bit of a distinction. So we think of spore based and soil based as the same because they're both found in the soil. So our ancestors used to eat off the land, roots and tubers, and they would consume these soil based or spore based probiotics on a regular basis. The difference between a spore based and a soil based is that spore based, I mean, soil based probiotic strains are actually alive in the soil. Spore based probiotic strains are actually dormant in the soil. So they're not live in the soil. They're dormant. They have their endospore shell around themselves. When they have that endospore shell around themselves, they actually stay in their dormant state. So when you swallow them and they go through the gastric system, they are actually dormant. They have that shell. It's not till they hit the intestines that they take that shell off because they recognize it as their home. And it actually, they go into their live vegetative cell state when they get to the intestines. So with soil-based probiotics, they're live in the, in, in the soil. And so that's the biggest distinction. It's their natural habitat is like the soil, whereas spores, they're supposed to be alive in the intestines. And that's where they're naturally supposed to be alive. So the distinction, it's a little bit tricky because they're both found in the soil, but one is dormant and one is live. So that's the biggest difference. So the soil base or the spore base are actually meant to be alive in the intestines, not in the soil. I learned something new every day. Did not know that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm curious because you talked about the lactobacillus, which is the one that I commonly find scientific studies on because it's the most prevalent. So it's not a spore forming or a soil based. Either way, it's neither. But for example, when I was researching about heavy metals, I found the study that said some species of lactic acid bacteria. So it just states some species are capable of binding heavy metals. Moreover, they are known to have antioxidant properties in human subjects, which may be another important characteristic for heavy metal toxicity protection. So what strains of probiotics are in Just Thrive? We already know that they have the antioxidant properties that's in the name of the probiotic, but can we also say, okay, even though it's not the typical strands that you would find in yogurt or something, are we still getting the health protective benefits that often show up in clinical studies from those kinds of probiotics as well? Yes. And that's what's so, that's the learning curve. And it's such a great question, Stacey, because I think that's what people are trying to wrap their heads around. So what the spores do is they go in and they help bring back your lactic acid, acid bacteria that is already present there. So I love to use a garden analogy when I explain this. So if you compare your gut to a garden, and so in your gut, you have pathogenic bacteria and you have, you know, your beneficial bacteria. So in your garden, you have good plants and you have weeds growing. So the lactic acid bacteria that we most commonly hear about, the lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, you, they go into that garden and they may plant a new plant of a particular probiotic strain, but they're not doing anything with the weeds and they're not doing anything with those plants that have been stepped on and trampled on. So like, let's say this garden has been stepped on and trampled on. So comparing it to our gut, we've got all this great bacteria in our gut, but it's not thriving. It's not flourishing in our gut. It's just there. So the spores go in and they actually have the ability to like attach to the soil in the garden. So they're attaching to the intestinal cell wall in our gut. They have the ability to actually get rid of those weeds in the garden, or the overgrowth of the weeds. So that's what they're doing in our gut. They're going into our gut and they're ha- helping us get rid of that overgrowth of the pathogenic bacteria in the gut, which is, you know, inhibiting our good bacteria from growing. So now we're going in back to that garden analogy. We're helping those plants that have been stepped on and trampled on and come back to life because now we're getting rid of those weeds. We're helping the bacteria or the good plants kind of flourish again in the garden. So in our gut, it's the same thing. We're taking our own bacteria that already belongs to us and helping it flourish in our gut. And that is the biggest difference. So we are helping our gut produce more of the lactic acid bacteria, which is key to our health. And you could take any lactobacillus and bifidobacterium you know, probiotic out there. It's not helping our own good bacteria come back to life. It's just kind of planting a new plant in that garden. And so you've heard people, you know, I take this probiotic. It actually has helped me. Yeah, it's going to make that garden maybe a little bit nicer, but it's not going in and making a true change in the garden and helping get rid of it. If we have those weeds growing all the time, it you plant that new plant in there, it's not going to, those weeds are going to take over that plant in there. So it's such a different mindset when we're talking about spore-based bacteria because they're actually changing the ecosystem. We have a study that it was a gut model study. We took one of our strains and actually showed that it caused a 30% favorable shift in the gut 
after a two week period. So after two weeks, it all actually caused that garden to be 30% better. And so I don't know of any probiotic with, you know, 100 billion CFUs that has a study of that magnitude. So the key is really changing the makeup of that garden. So I always say like the spores are like the gardener of the gut. They're actually getting, helping get rid of that overgrowth of bacteria. And they're actually helping bring our good bacteria, our beneficial bacteria back to life. I love that you guys do so many studies because for me, a lot of what you're saying sounds like big claims. And, you know, I'm always like, where are the receipts? And to me, all of the studies that you guys do are incredible because like you said i'm not aware of any other probiotic out there that has as much demonstrated science supporting the positive impact on health and for me that's so important when i'm talking about or referring or recommending something i'd love if you could share more about the specifically the 2017 double blind peer-reviewed study so for our listeners, we've geeked out before and talked about what studies are the most impactful and a peer-reviewed study, especially double-blind, is something that like is a green flag for me, right? I'm like, okay, when is this study? And it showed how, I'll let you go into the details, what exactly it showed because it was incredibly powerful. And I think the first time at that point that a probiotic had been able to show significant results in the specific area. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. And that is such an important core value of ours is that we really wanted everything we brought to market, we wanted to be missing and needed in the market and backed by research and science. And there's such a great you know, spot for supplements out there. And I know that people need to be taking them, but there's a, just like the pharmaceutical industries, there's people who abuse the supplement industry. So it was important for us to have science behind it. And so we decided, University of North Texas did this study. They took about 100 college students who were healthy, no medications, no known diseases or anything of the sort, healthy young college students. And they tested them. They had gave them a challenge meal, so like a pizza and something that's not super healthy. And they tested to see if they any of these LPS toxins, which is stands for lipopolysaccharide toxins, seeped into the bloodstream. So we know that lipopolysaccharides are really not that harmful in the gut. It's when they seep into the bloodstream that they cause this inflammatory response. And that's when disease happens and, you know, chronic conditions start to develop. So what we found is that 55% of those college students actually had a leaky gut and didn't know it. And again, the way we measured it was to say how many of those LPS toxins seeped into the bloodstream. So what we did is we took the 55% of those college students and divided them in half. And we took half of them took a um, placebo and half of them took the spores that are found in Just Thrive and sent them home for 30 days. We all know what college students are doing. There were no, no lifestyle or dietary modifications whatsoever. The only thing they had to do was take these strains once a day with food, and they came back 30 days later. The researchers gave them another challenge meal, and they found that the treated group, so the, the group that took the spores, actually saw a 42% reduction in LPS toxins seeping into the bloodstream. That was profound shock. I mean, we weren't shocked, but we were like, oh, wow, 42% reduction, no dietary lifestyle modifications whatsoever. We saw a 42% reduction. 
But I think what was more shocking to us was that the placebo group, so the group that didn't receive, you know, just a placebo, actually saw a 32% increase in those LPS toxins that were seeping into the bloodstream. So what that's telling us is that we are literally these, when, if you're not taking care of that leakiness of the gut, you are actually making that problem worse. Our bodies are, we're, that we evolved that they'd be resilient. And these strains were meant to be consumed on a daily basis because our ancestors were eating them off the soil. So it makes sense. And they're just, this is what's supporting our own body's detox system. And it is really exciting. Totally geek out on the same stuff, Stacey. So I get it. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Was there anything else that you wanted to share or tell people about before I remind them where they can get this magical spore-based probiotics, which is not going to be cordyceps and take over their body as a zombie land. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I always just suggest that people start slowly. This is a potent probiotic, you know, so sometimes we recommend people just taking, you could open the capsule and mix it with food. So you could take a half a capsule and save the next one for the next day, but go slowly. Don't ever be afraid if you start having some like gastrointestinal discomfort that just basically means you're having a die-off reaction, which is just the toxic residue from that pathogenic bacteria that's dying off. So go slowly. It's a good sign if you start feeling that. It just means that, you know, you needed the product, but just go slowly and then eventually titrate up to one capsule a day and, and just give yourself grace during the journey. And to be clear, that passes. That's not normal to stay for a long time because for me, I have much improved digestion from taking it long term. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It'll go definitely go away. It, exactly. You just need to get through that first hump. But I always recommend, I, I hate saying it because I don't want to put it in people's mind. But then I'm like, there's so many people that have had that reaction. I mean, it's only like 10% of our like the customers that have that, but just enough people that they get off of it, it scares them off. And then it's like, those are the people that really needed it, you know, because they had the pathogenic bacteria. So I never wanted, I like to remind people of that. Oh, thank you. That's helpful. So again, thank you so much for being here. And listeners, of course, you can go to justthrivehealth.com, use code WHOLEVIEW to get yourself a discount. I myself recommend that you get the 90 day supply to save yourself money. I'm on a subscribe situation so I never run out and also um thank you again Tina for being here and helping us walk through the science on this which like I said I learned something so I know our listeners have as well you bet thank you Stacy I really appreciate you being such a longtime customer and fan appreciate it big fan <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're still around This podcast is sponsored by Vegamore. Actually, I myself am a walking infomercial for them all the time because my hair is the best it's looked in decades. And it is 100% possible because of their health promoting products. I've been using, loving, and obsessed with their grow line for years now since having children. And then between autoimmune diseases and long haulers, my shedding was out of control. I was seeing thinning and huge clumps of hair everywhere. And I know I'm not alone. Hair loss happens as a result from aging, from anxiety and lack of sleep, nutrient deficiencies, even prior hair care products or environmental stressors. So it's something we 
all struggle with, and I found Vegamore searching for the cleanest ingredients and proven results. It is the only one that met my standards, clinically tested to improve density up to 52%, reduce shedding by 76%, and 91% of customers say they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months. I now have the hair of my dreams, and their holistic approach to hair health uses smart botanicals that promote visibly thicker, fuller, longer-looking hair without the use of harmful chemicals. All of their products are cruelty-free and never contain parabens. And they have something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. I use the Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Foundation Kit with their dry shampoo. It all smells so good. Using only fruit oils, no synthetic fragrances. And I put all of my favorites for you at vegamore.com slash wholeview where you'll also get 20% off. And there's no risk when trying because they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. Get the hair you have always wanted with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com slash wholeview and use code wholeview to save 20% on your order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash wholeview. Code wholeview to save 20% at vegamore.com slash wholeview. And we're back. Last but not least, I know you all want to hear what did I find in the research as being some of the best options? What do we recommend? Well, listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to tell you what you should or should not eat, but I can tell you what was found in the research in terms of lead per serving. So specifically, as you sow, um, is the nonprofit organization that started the lawsuit years ago for misrepresentation of brands that were not properly labeling their heavy metal um, toxicity load for Prop 65 and brought to light the original um, levels and concerns that I think it was like 2018 and 19 um, that now require those labels. And so if we're looking at the results. So as you so has continued to test and ensure that people are properly labeling and that everything is safe for consumers. Um, and when we're looking at safe, the Prop 65 is the warning label, FDA is the actual risk level, and that is where the FDA recommends levels are 2.2 micrograms per day for children and 8.8 .8 micrograms per day for females of childbearing age. Those are the biggest risk factors. So they don't even list like what that level would be for, you know, a male in his 60s, probably much higher than oh, 8.8. Yeah. I, I eat blood chips all the time. <laughs> Stop. He's chewing on the windowsill. <laughs> um, so if we are going to look then at what are some of the brands that we can consume or we're still going to get the health benefits of dark chocolate because don't forget, it's incredibly good for you. And this is intended to give you comfort and empower you rather than have you be afraid. And so if you recall, we're looking at 2.2 um, for children and 8.8 .8 for adults. And um, some of the popular brands that we looked at for a serving size um, that would be within those ranges are Lily's Sea Salt Extra Dark Chocolate, 70% Stevia Sweetened. I feel like this is one that a lot of people might be consuming or might be giving to their children mm -hmm. because it's, you know, on the sweeter side. But then 
it's still extra sugar. dark chocolate. Um, something that is, oh, and so that lead per serving is 1.1. Um, so if you had two servings, it would still be within the standards for a child. Baker's unsweetened chocolate bar. This is something I grew up with. Did mm. you did oh, you yeah. have this in your pantry? Oh, right? yeah. And every yeah. child has had the experience of thinking that they found an extra chocolate bar no. only to discover that it is not. Don't do that. <laughs> no. So that's 0.6 micrograms. We're talking about huge servings before you get to any level of concern there. Um, Godiva, 72% dark chocolate, 1.4 micrograms. So two servings would be over for a child, but you can have, I don't know, what is that? Six or seven servings as an adult. Yeah. Um, Ghirardelli, premium baking cacao. This is something I know we've bought. Mm -hmm. This is 0.5 micrograms. So you can have a lot of those servings, a lot of pieces of chocolate cake or whatever it might be before you're at any sort of risk factor. Um, I personally love to support and buy fair trade chocolate. So equal exchange organic, fairly traded dark chocolate, very dark 71% is something that I have bought before. And I was thrilled to see that it's 0.3 micrograms. So again, that's a lot of servings that a child could have before hitting any sort of risk level. Other ones on the list, you can look up the actual levels yourself. Green and black, 70%, divine, 85%. Choco Love, 55%. Lint Dark Chocolate Truffles. Alter Eco Deep Dark. Only 0.3, my friends. That's one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> uh, Tony's Choco Looney has become one of our kids' favorites. That's 0.9. Um, so Enjoy Life, Trader Joe's, Sunspire, Shiloh Farms. All of these are on the very low list mm -hmm. um, that we put together for you. Now, I do want to talk about some of the things that we will not be purchasing, not because they exceed the 8.8 .8 level, but because they're higher than the child level with one serving. So I think the one that surprised us most, this right. is the one that I remember you saying to me, what is now Healthy Foods Certified Organic Cocoa Powder, 100% pure, was mm -hmm. 7.5 micrograms per serving. I mean, that is... Compared to all, every, all the other things, yeah. that is a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who would have thought that, like, Hershey's would have been a better option yeah. from, you know, a lead perspective? I would not have guessed that. Um, but maybe that has to do with, you know, where it's being grown, like I mentioned before, how the transport is happening, all those different things. Um, another that surprised me was 365, which is Whole Foods brand. Um, their everyday value organic dark chocolate, 56%, was 6 micrograms. Uh, Theo Organic Fair Trade, 65%, was 4.5 micrograms. Sprouts Farmer's Market Dark Chocolate, 72%, was 3.7. Um, and it kind of goes through the list. Endangered species, which I was not thrilled to see. 88% mm -hmm. though. I think a lot of people are giving their children the, the I mean, lower if, percentage ones. If you're a child, Yeah, but that's 3.4. So again, this is where as an adult, 3.4 per serving, I would not be eating more than one or two servings at 88% chocolate. It's not going to be it, enjoyable after one serving. <laughs> and it would be within the 8.8 .8 range. So even... These things that are on the higher end, again, all still within FDA's standards, but 
more than one serving or to a child might be something to make you aware of and to be careful with. Like those wouldn't be brands that I would buy on a regular basis. And I hope that overall you can walk away kind of feeling empowered, you know, take a probiotic, eat antioxidant nutrient rich foods, drink your water and let your body do the natural detoxification process. And um, I hope that you have confidence to eat your dark chocolate because it's so good for you and it's delicious. And if someone took dark chocolate away from me. I mean, come on. It's a treat. <laughs> like, listen, I don't drink coffee anymore. You know, all of these things that I feel like so many of us try to improve our health for so long. And then they hit you with the, and your dark chocolate has dangerous heavy metals. Like, ah! you know, but mm-hmm. we're okay, friends. Everything's going to be all right. Friends, if you enjoyed the show, you're going to get even more science and hear from Tina more about all of the things that you want to geek out on probiotics at patreon.com slash which is the best place to ask questions too. If you love the show that we create and produce ourselves, the Patreon is a great way to support the show, but so is leaving a review and hitting the follow or subscribe button in the podcast app that you're using so that others can find us too. And as I mentioned, we put a list of those resources, eight teen scientific references and the show notes for you at realeverything.com. That doesn't even include the references from Tina at Just Thrive with all of the clinical trials that she talked about that we will add to the show notes as well. I want to thank you for tuning in today and we appreciate your willingness to be open to growth through your own personal change. Hopefully you realize nobody is perfect, but in listening, learning, and unlearning, we can become better versions of ourselves and hopefully give you hope to go eat your dark chocolate. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.